back. Twilight Football here on FNR Football Nation Radio. We are delighted to be joined now by Dan Olowitz from the Japan Times, frequent guest of ours whenever Japanese football becomes relevant on our radar and how relevant it is tonight with the Socceroos facing off against a manager and a team under considerable scrutiny and pressure for their recent performances. Dan, welcome back to FNR. Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for making time on game day, especially. Uh, just what is at stake uh, for the Samurai Blue tonight? Uh, there's a lot at stake. Uh, as you sort of mentioned or implied, I think uh, head coach Hajime Moriyasu uh, is playing with his job on the line. Uh, anything less than a win and he is is in all likelihood out. Uh, anything less than a win and this Japan squad is not necessarily completely out of the running for an automatic uh, spot in the next year's World Cup, but pretty close to it, which would mean having to fight through the, the playoff and then the intercontinental playoff. And, and that's just not the situation you want to be in. Uh, so we, we really are at risk of uh, being in a, in a state where we could lose you know we our world cup streak uh which started in 1998 could could end or, or be put under threat tonight dan what, what are you saying that's sort of so wrong with japan right now in terms of their performances you, you know the loss against saudi arabia and the struggles even in the last window what, what are you seeing in terms of what's going wrong i think that it's important to note that the players are there if you look at this japan squad and if you look at the the pool that's available uh you could argue that this is the 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 strongest pool of players japan has ever had uh the problem is in the coaching uh in the tactics in the selection uh moriyasu is just playing things far more conservatively and, and sticking giving minutes to players uh who are not fit uh who are not really getting it done in europe uh who you know, you look at Gaku Shibasaki starting, you look at Yuto Nagatomo uh, still at left back. Uh, granted, now he has a club, but, uh, you know, he, he isn't the Yuto Nagatomo that we remember from the Asian Cup 10 years ago, uh, from the 2010 World Cup. Um, you know, you, you look at Kyogo Furuhashi starting on the bench, only getting 30 minutes when he's just doing so many good things at Celtic. Yeah, that that's not a player that you want to be a super sub. That's a player that you want from the kickoff. Uh, so, I, I just that there's a lot of doubt that Moriyasu really understands what to do with these tools that he has been given. And in the absence of that understanding, he's just sort of reverting back to the players he knows uh, and, and just sort of hitting his head against the wall again and again, hoping that the wall will break. I mean, that's astonishing to anyone who's watched a Celtic game this season uh, since Furuhashi's arrival. I mean, a lot of Aussie fans have been watching Celtic for obvious reasons, and Kyogo's been maybe their best player. Uh, So to see him on the bench is absolutely astonishing. It is. And I, if you don't see him starting uh, this evening... Uh, I really don't know what to say. I think that everyone would like to see him start. Um, I mean, he, Grant, he, he might start on the bench. I mean, I think that you'll have a couple changes tonight. Uh, you'll see Junior Ito 
uh, who was suspended uh, for the Saudi Arabia game. So he, he, there's a good chance that he could get in the starting lineup. But you look at players like Daichi Kamara, who didn't really get it done at the Olympics. Uh, you look at, you know, you'd like to see Al Tanaka get a start. You know, you, you, you'd like to see some of these younger players uh, who show a lot of promise, you know, getting in there earlier instead of being relegated to bench roles. But instead you're seeing sort of the, the known quantities, you know, your back line, Yoshida, Nagatomo, Sakai, uh, Tomiyasu is sort of the, the outliers as a younger player. Uh, but but these are all players who have been in two or three World Cups. Uh, so we're at this weird state where Moriyasu was supposed to oversee a transition between the 2018 World Cup squad, uh, which punched way above its belt, you know, or I should say way, way above its weight class, mm-hmm. and you know, transition that into, into the next generation. And we're still not there yet. And it, it's, it's frustrating. It's vexing. Uh, it, it's lots of adjectives that are probably not appropriate for the radio. Uh, but it, it's, you know, we lose tonight and it's not good. It, it's, really not looking good at all. And um, I, I was just reading some comments from Moriasu after the Saudi Arabia game. He spoke about being tired and losing their rhythm. Um, is that something you're noticing as well? Frustration in terms of not being able to create, um, you know, just in terms of actually being able to create chances and breakthrough sides. Is that something that you're noticing too? Yeah. I mean, if you look at the fitness issue, I think that one of the biggest issues that we've had uh, throughout this uh, qualifier cycle, uh, and, and I guess the well, I guess the qualifier cycle has basically just been last year and this year, uh, is the effect of the, the the pandemic. You have the travel issues, you have the bubble, you have the quarantine, and uh, that is something you can say that the players are used to it, which to an extent they are, uh, but it still gets to you. Uh, you've got pl- key players who have been going nonstop for their clubs, uh, for the national team, for the Olympic team all summer. Wataru Endo, you know, is another one. Uh, you know, Yoshida, Sakai, I mean, these are the players who have been just at it. And when, when the team is sort of in this frustrating state, you do need a leader from among the squad, hopefully more, more than one, but you need someone to step up and bring everyone together and just get everyone on the same page. And we've had some reports in, in our local media that uh, Nagatomo has stepped up in, in practice, Yoshida has stepped up in practice, and they're, they're sort of working on just trying to rally the troops. So, you know, what we, the, what we see tonight at kickoff, at that, that 7-14 kickoff that everyone's getting very excited about, and if you're going to ask me why 714, the answer is, I don't know, but here it's advertised as 710. So I guess that's when the teams walk out. And yeah, th- th- there's no significance to that number, really. So, you know, let, let's get that, let's get that, that out of the way. Um, they just need a win. And I, I think that, as some of my colleagues have said, Moriyasu often seems like he's playing not to lose. Hmm. And with players at this level, I think that you can afford to be braver, to be more ambitious. Uh, I've talked to lots of people, journalists, uh, J-League coaches, you know, everyone sort of wonders, well, why are they struggling? Because they shouldn't be. On paper, this is an amazing team. 
but no, just nothing was clicking. And you could argue that maybe it would take a big win against our biggest rival at the moment to, to do that, to get everything to click. Or if we don't get that, then maybe this is the moment everything falls apart and we go sort of into the rebuilding mode that we saw after 1994. And that's horrifying. As a journalist, as a fan, uh, there, there are no, there, there's no small number of people who would argue at this point that maybe the best thing to happen would be to burn it down and start from scratch going all the way up to the top leadership of the Japan Football Association. But do we really want to get to that point? Probably not. I mean, it's scary in a World Cup qualification cycle to be having these kind of existential questions facing you. And firstly, uh, thank you for dispelling uh, myths around the number 15 that we may or may not have peddled this time on the show last week. (laughs) But... uh, yeah, I mean, when there's so much on the line uh, in terms of World Cup qualification, how would it impact Japanese football to miss out on a World Cup cycle? Because in Australia, we worry that all of the progress since 2006 and our first qualification in 30 years or so would be completely undone by missing one of these things. Is that kind of uh, interest in the game waning a serious possibility in Japan? Because it's not a one-sport you know, sport country like... Um, you know, some others uh, in the region. Um, you know, baseball is very popular as well. Uh, or is it simply a loss of uh, opportunity for the fans to watch and celebrate a tournament and commercial revenue and so forth? I mean, it, it, it isn't a one-sport country. It's a two-sport country. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, you, you, you know, uh, we've, there's baseball and there's, there's, there's football and there's, there's soccer. Australia, you've got Soccer, rugby league, rugby union, AFL, cricket, uh, women's soccer, which is sort of almost in a category of its own. And, and I mean that in a good way. Mm. Um, I think that if you want some perspective on, on what it would mean for Japan, I think you only have to look back to three years ago when the United States missed out on the World Cup, where you had, a, a really, again, a really talented pool of players Lots of talent in that U.S. squad, but just a couple bad results and sort of unambitious coaching and some really you know bad luck away uh, denied them a huge opportunity. It did set the program back, and they, as a pool, as a player pool, they're getting stronger and stronger. But then you see them missing out on the Olympics year after year, mm. and. Uh, soccer is alive and well in the U.S. It's doing great. Yeah, uh, it's a legitimate. It's legitimately established itself as sort of a fifth, the, the as part of the Big Five, where you know joining the Big Four of baseball, hockey, basketball, and, and American football. Uh, but right now in Japan, the J League was riding high before the pandemic. Record attendance in 2019, uh, just great crowds, great energy, and we lost all of that. All of it. Um, Even though we've had fans in the stadiums since July 2020, we're still limited. We've been limited for most of the year to about 5,000 people per game. And when you're talking about stadiums that fit 60,000, 70,000, that's not much. So clubs are hurting. 
sponsors are hurting. Yeah, the fans are are there. There is a fear that if sports don't come back, if the atmosphere doesn't come back, then maybe fans won't have as much of a reason to come back. So you have that issue, which is totally different from sort of the national team. And then bringing it back to the national team, you have this issue of, well, all of the top players are in Europe. So it's harder and harder to see them in person and the younger fans, you, know, you can't go to a J league game and see players who represent the national team or represent Japan as you could 10 years ago. So when that hook is gone, what next? Well, if you have a strong national team, then that should be able to draw fans in and of you know, by itself. But if then if you don't have a strong national team, what next? So uh, it, it's a very roundabout way of answering your question, but it is this sort of cascade of, of issues uh, and they're all that they all risk collapsing at once. Like the, uh, if you look at football culture in Japan, I mean, we have such a rich history. Uh, next year is going to be the, the 30th anniversary of, of the establishment of the J League. Um, we've come a long way. And you'd like to think that all of that wouldn't be undone by missing one World Cup. But at the same time, it is a big deal here. And if we lose that, then it's just really difficult to think about what the knock-on impact could be, um, even just in terms of fans being able to watch it, because you have to think about, well, will broadcasters go all in on what are some very expensive broadcasting rights if Japan aren't involved? Mm. And that's an open question, especially in these times. So, you know, is the fate of everything at stake tonight you know maybe not but it, it's not really difficult to write a scenario in which maybe it is hmm. Dan just the one about the fans you did mention capped crowds and we've heard about you know the the silence of you know not being able to cheer and everything else have you got a bit of an update on sort of how the progress is going in terms of getting more people back, getting the atmosphere back. Is there any plans or roadmap with vaccination rates going up, et cetera? Yes. So at the end of the month, uh, Japan ended its state of emergency. Uh, we are now in a one-month transitional phase where uh, the cap is essentially 10,000. And on a trial basis, uh, at some games, including tonight, uh, they're going to start allowing in people over that cap if they are vaccinated or have a negative PCR test, I think, within 72 hours of the game. So uh, the JFA has sold 5,000 tickets uh, for the, va- the the VT seats, what they're calling the vaccine test seats. So uh, tonight's max crowd will be 15,000. Uh, for the Levain Cup final, the, the League Cup, um, at the same stadium on October 30th, it's going to be 10,000 regular tickets, 10,000 VT seats. Uh, the goal, and, and this is happening in, in soccer, this is happening in baseball as well, that, you know, we're, we're, it is phased and they are just trying to establish what works and what doesn't. Uh, but the goal is, at least on the J-League side, to get stadiums up to maybe... 60, 70% capacity by the end of the season. And if they can get to that number, they'll be happy. And then we can look to 100% 
for the 2022 season. Uh, as far as cheering, atmospheres, flag waving, all that, uh, the league is officially, and I've asked this a few times before, they're not discussing anything yet. So uh, the official rule as of right now and probably through the end of the season is no cheering, no chants, no songs, no flag waving. Uh, they're allowed to clap. They're allowed to have drummers, uh, no trumpets, no vuvuzelas, nothing. And that's about it. So you're going to hear a lot of clapping tonight. Um, and, and that's really all you'll hear. Uh, and that's just what it's been. And that, that's been our new normal for about 15 months now. So it's just uh, the opening to We Will Rock You over and over again, I'm assuming. Just uh, stomp, stomp, clap the whole game. Basically, um, yeah, I'm sure they'll come up with two, maybe three rhythms. You know, it's the same as the same as any Japan game where it's only the two or three chants. You know, they yeah. only have so many um, things. But, you know, it, it, with 15,000, they'll do their best. And uh, it's Saitama. It's a big game. You know, the fans don't want to see the team lose. Uh, and we'll, we'll see how it looks. I mean, after I hang up with you guys, I'm going to head down to the stadium and uh, I have no idea what it's going to be like, but hopefully hopefully, it's something to positive uh, one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, anything is better for us than watching the Socceroos play another game behind closed doors at 2 or 3 in the morning in the Middle East. Uh, so I think fans will be delighted to hear any noise in the stadium and at a uh, pretty nice time slot as well, finally. Uh, but Dan, before we let you go, this match tonight, who could be the match winner for Japan? Because in a misfiring team, an individual talent, a moment of magic uh, might be the difference. And I would have said the Wonder Boy Kubo, but he's injured for this game. So, you know, no slaloming solo run and, and goal to match. I don't even know if he would have started if he had been available. Um, but who is the match winner tonight for Japan to save Moriyasu's job? Or is it all going to come crumbling down? I, I think that the the easy pick for a match winner is Fudohashi. I think that mm. if Moriyasu knows what's good for him... Uh, Kyogo will be in the starting lineup. And I know maybe Celtic fans don't want to hear this because they want him to, they, they want him, I mean, they want him to come back healthy. We want him to go back healthy. Uh, but I think that he needs to have the game of his life tonight. Um, I, I think that if he does that, if he, if he can score in such a crucial game, uh, I think that goes a long way towards cementing his place uh, in the national team, which is something that he's talked about. Uh, he's, uh, very clear that now he thinks that playing in a World Cup is something that he can achieve. Uh, but if he wants to do that first, he's got to score in games like tonight. I want to see Rogic versus Kyogo. So please, mm. put him in the game. Dan Olowitz, <laughs> always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs>